construction, golf news, equipment, travel, interviews, course profiles, and more. Your weekly fix of all things golf is about to begin. It's the Flagstick Podcast with your hosts, Jeff Bonner and Scott McLeod. Well, welcome everybody into uh, another episode of the Flagstick Podcast. Uh, I am Jeff Bonner and uh, with me as always is Scott McLeod. And uh, the Flagstick Podcast is sponsored again this week by Adidas. Adidas introduces the Ultimate Tour 365 Heat Apparel and ZG23 Event Footwear to help golfers handle the heat this season. The collection features a mix of silhouettes for men and women made with heat-ready and no-show technology to keep golfers cool and dry so they can perform their best. Both the ZG23 Vent and Ultimate 365 Tour Apparel are available now on adidas.ca, the Adidas app, and of course, selected retailers worldwide. Uh, just quickly, um, follow us on social media. It's how we, it's how we, it's how we bring the information. Follow us on social media, um, Instagram, X, and Facebook. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Audible, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And uh, we encourage you, as always, to hit us up on the YouTube channel. Like us and click the notification bell and make sure that you never miss a single episode. Well, Scotty Mac. Hey, here, and here we I'm, are, another week. I, I'm going to add to that, though, to people. It's not just about following us. I will tell you Engage that with us. this piece, this past week alone, I've done everything from helping people pick out equipment, help people make travel arrangements to go to different places, answered all sorts of questions about various players, so forth. These are the conversations we want to have. And on the other side of it, We've been asking and getting feedback on various things as well. So, you know what? It's a community more than it is just a follow. So don't think about it that way. And we'd love to get your interaction there as we have for the last 27 years uh, in everything that we do. But uh, yeah, you know, just join us there. Hang out. Got a question? Fire away. Yeah. So all of that stuff that we uh, we talk about through social media and all that interaction that we have our topics that we know of are interest to you, our yeah. listeners, our, our viewers, and we bring that stuff up here on the podcast. We get yep. those things posted over on flagstick.com. That's that's how this whole golf news, golf information yeah. thing goes, right? We're it, here it got, to support you. Yeah, exactly. You no, know, because we spend a lot of time around golf. We spend a lot of time reading about it. We spend a lot of, a lot of time watching it, listening to it, talking to people deep in the industry that that the well, average right. consumer and the average golfer would not have access to easily. Yeah. Um, so we can bring that information to you. So hit us up, you know, yep. 100%. That's what we're here for. That's what we've been doing for, my gosh, how many years is it now? 27. 20, 27 years. Yeah. I'm not going to say that's insane, but that's insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 27 Anyways. years. You uh, know what's good this week, Jeff? What's that? One, we got to see each other. Yes. Let's before yes. we will before we and we'll be talking it, about what we were we'll getting what, into what that, that exactly. what that so, was all about, which which was nice for sure. And mm -hmm. you know, there's uh, although it's the end of August, uh, lots of stuff still going on, lots of oh, golf still sure. going on, um, a lot of things to look forward to in golf. Be it uh, Labor Day weekend coming up, I'm sure people have lots of plans mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. to get out and play. But uh, yeah, yeah, I got a got a couple of um, exciting rounds of golf planned for Ooh. this weekend um, with uh, with my son Brandon. Yeah, um, call him some call him some bucket list golf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bucket list golf. But um, yeah, Just trying to knock the... a few off the list. Exactly, exactly. Um, all right. Well, on the front nine today. Yep. Um, we're going to catch up on a little bit more of uh, Canadian golf news. Not not a ton of uh, 
of news talk in this episode. We're going to, we got some yeah. other things we want to talk about. So we're going to kind of get through some news real quickly in the front nine. We're going to head back out to the lesson to you with Kevin and Jake Hame again. Uh, it's nice to have uh, the two of them back on the podcast, sharing uh, some instruction insight and such with uh, with us. So we'll have them at the end of the front nine, uh, the home stretch of the front nine, if you will. And on the back nine, we're going to talk some Ryder Cup. Yeah. Uh, you Month can't away. get more timely. And, and this is going to be some ongoing conversation oh, yeah. for a while because there's, you know, there's Rolling drama. Up my sleeves. There's drama, <laughs> drama surrounding the Ryder Cup before the Ryder Cup even happens. Teams get selected, but. Now we've yeah. got a team. Now we get some some yeah. real one team. Real we got discussion. one team. So yes, far. one team. Yeah, um, we'll get to that. So we'll talk about that a little bit, and that'll just be some some natural discussion. You got golf it. talk. Um, so let's get off to the front nine presented by Metcalf Golf Club. A natural setting, a pleasant challenge. Uh, still a ton of golf left to be played this year. Um, so why not save a little bit of money on the green fees that you're paying and. Uh, Buy some game packs and get ready to hit the first tee this fall, September, kind of fallish. Um, visit MetcalfGolf.com and get those game packs and shop now. So um, right off the bat, uh, intersectional season is kind of wrapping up now. Yeah, it uh, is. OVG intersectionals, intersectionals down the Kingston Way is kind of wrapping up. And uh, uh, congratulations, of course, to the Ottawa Hunt and Golf Club for winning the OVGA Senior Men's Intersectional A Division. Yep, the uh, third year in a row for that one. Um, can't host anymore. Cannot host. Uh, Take a year uh, off. Yeah, so we've got the full results up at flagstick.com, every single division. I uh, want to thank everyone for taking the time to send in uh, score sheets, photos, yes. all sorts of different things. Uh, we're getting people into that habit now. Um, we appreciate it. The other golfers appreciate it as well. Because again, mm -hmm. that was a big, a big thing this week. A lot of people were messaging, "Hey, have you heard results from N? Or have you heard results from C? Or and uh, the fact that people are willing to take the time, get it sent in. I'm basically sitting there on the laptop, getting it posted as quickly as we can, and it's it's a good resource, and we're happy to do that. And um, yeah, it's good to see. So uh, not much left in the intersectional season, and you know. I think you're getting it there to it as well. Uh, Quinny Kingston uh, Intersectionals, uh, they've completed, I think, hmm, seven of their different competitions now. Yeah, because they um, do it a little bit differently down there. They, they don't yeah. have one specific day where everything happens and, and no. everything gets completed. It's a little more scattered. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's still fairly well organized, uh, thanks to Blair Harris down there, who's, uh, you know, uh, my contact in dealing with that. Uh, he sent over a, a fair bit of it. Uh, I'm going to get that posted ASAP, and then I know they've got more uh, coming to us as well. And, yes, we'll definitely get that up there uh, for all those people down in, in the Quinty Kingston region for their intersectionals. You know, it's and, funny really, when we talk... Uh, before you get to that, I mean, one of the things I, I saw online was when we were posting these... Uh, I saw a number of tweets from people in Alberta and all sorts of places going, why don't we have these? So just, just know if you're in Eastern Ontario and, and, you know, in Montreal region as well, which has intersectionals, you are definitely the, you know, you're admired and, and fortunate because other parts of the Canada just don't have them. It is a question. Sure. Is it, a, is it still a tweet? It's an X. Like, it's still a tweet. I mean, people still are call they seriously it a tweet. call it an X. Is well, that no, what they want X, you to call it? No, an X? 
no people are sitting there going is it a sweet or whatever but i mean people are still it's a tweet i mean by default until there's something better it's a post is really what it is it's a post is is what they're after with it because now it went from a retweet to a repost so it's basically a post on x but i'm still going to call it a tweet for all what the a time dumb move i'm sorry that's just yeah. dumb yeah it's such yeah. a Anyway, whatever. Um, it, it's interesting about intersectionals because, um, and we talk about, you know, getting the results in and, you know, mm-hmm. people forwarding. I used to get these results. Yeah. I know. When the intersectionals were happening, I was making phone calls yeah. not, and chasing down results from each mm-hmm. location. And mm-hmm. they were faxing them in on one of those fax machines with the thermal paper. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, and, yeah. and that's that's how we used to get the results. I mean, we I mean, still have to chase. I'm not saying every. Yeah, but I mean, about getting it. it just the the nature yeah. of it. I remember the fax machine. You know, fax faxes. You'd be sitting there at eleven o'clock at night, and there'd be results coming in, and the fax machine be going, and you know, and yeah. they'd come in, and I'd be typing them into the computer, and yeah, and yeah. you know, and thank you to Sherry Thompson for getting the fill-ins. Uh, you know, they obviously get us uh, from the OBGA. They they get us the uh, complete results once they get them in there we yeah. just like to get them up quicker and you know in that point i would like t- for people to know and realize and understand this is part of the value of a resource of local golf coverage and journalism this is part of the value of supporting it and supporting this type of journalism because mm-hmm. thousands of people thousands are going to see these results yep. when they when they get posted and, you know, being affiliated with, you know, a company like ours, who's willing to do that, willing to put those um, together and get them posted. Those are eyeballs for golfers. Those are golfers you want to reach. So um, don't be shy. If you want to be a marketing partner, you know, we're, we're always open to talk. <laughs> and I'm not just trying to be a pitch man here. I'm just trying to make people realize and understand this is part of the value yeah. of outside media not just sending out your own newsletters, your own social media or whatever. We're, we're an outside party. We're doing things that attract the whole of the golf community, not just the ones that are, you know, at a specific club or so forth. Yeah, no, it's a good point. You know, it's, it's, look at this is our platform. If we want to, we want to do shameless plug marketing, (laughs) that's fine. I mean, we've been, we've been at this for 27, you know, 27 plus years now. And Um, we've been delivering the information we've been, we've been covering the events. We've been reporting on anniversaries. We've been reporting on, you know, building a new bunker change. I mean, even look at the stuff that with read right now mm-hmm. and read in this major bunker project. I mean, we've yep. been, we've been dabbling in, in what they've been doing out there, uh, since they started. And when that project is complete, you know, we'll do something yep. a little more extensive when it's For finished sure. so that we yep. can show you know what's been done in the process and stuff like that we do that for everybody i mean it mm-hmm. doesn't matter what golf facility it is if you've i mean if you've got information that's yeah. not what we would consider advertising yeah for sure um, it's a story it's, it's, it's a story, story. then it's that's what we're here for that's what we've been yeah. here for print magazine or not no doesn't content matter. is delivered outlet. you know it's just that we're a media outlet and we're we're as regional as it gets people so, yeah, I mean, anyway. we take care of that. We take care of that aspect of it. We cover a little bit of everything, but yeah, that's 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 the value. So that's that's my elevator pitch for today. Elevator pitch complete. All good. <laughs> um, 
what else do you want to talk about? Uh, uh, CPKC Women's Open. Right, obviously. that was a that was a big one. Just uh, just finished up out in Vancouver, which was uh, you know we talked about it on the last show. It was nice to have the tournament back in Vancouver. Um, Fifteen Canadians uh, in the field. Unfortunately, only two uh, made the cut. Um, Brooke happened to be one of them, or Brooke Henderson from Smith Falls, and then Elena Sharp. Uh, Brooke managed to uh, have a little bit of a comeback on Sundays, <laughs> as did Elena. They both shot 68 on the final day, which should be recognized by everyone that it was two Canadians that, that were shot 68 on a very difficult golf course. Uh, Brooke didn't have her best on a couple other days. Um, there, it was still some great golf. Megan Kang, uh, so Brooke ended up T13, Elena T36. Um, Megan Kang. Uh, got the win in a playoff. You know, this player has played on the tour for eight years, uh, started super young out on the tour. This was her first win. She wins it in a playoff with uh, Jin Young Ko. A great finish for the tournament. And I know there was about $3 million plus raised uh, for the CPKC Has Heart program, wow. which is really the biggest thing out of this event. And I know, uh, you know, Lori Kane, who's their ambassador, was super excited. She was out there and, and involved and just to see how much of that money was raised and, and to go into the uh, local community uh, as far as healthcare for kids. No, it's awesome. And it's good. It's good to see the, you know, especially Elena Sharp there. Um, mm -hmm. Well, um, just need to, they, you know, both of them just need to connect four rounds together. Yeah. It's I mean, kind of an up and down. I think Brooke was yeah. 75, 68, 75, 68. Yeah. 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 For sure. That's... I mean, it's good for Elena. Elena's uh 10th on the money list on the Epson tour. She's played primarily on the Epson tour this year. Uh, she's looking to get her card there. She's already had a win this year. Uh, she's had a lot of great finishes leading into this. And I think that just gives her that much more confidence. And it, it's great to see. I mean, she's 42 now. She's a veteran player. Um, but she still wants to be out there. She still knows she has some good stuff and that she, she can compete. And um, yeah, it's, it's good to see. And I, I just, you know, not to knock any other outlets or things like that, but I just don't think that maybe she gets the respect that she deserves. Um, you know, a lot of the attention is on Brooke, which deservedly so. She is certainly the, uh, you know, the face of, of Canadian women's golf for sure. And arguably Canadian uh, golf in general. Um, but, you know, Elena obviously played super, super well there as well and, and deserves that respect. Cool. All right. Um, now we had, we, we, we talked off the top, but, you know, we finally had a chance to actually play, you know, play and see each other, you know, in person for a while. Cause I mean, truth be known, you're in Kingston, I'm in Ottawa. You got yeah. your side of what you do here with Flagstick and I've got my side of what I do. So we don't exactly cross paths as often as we used to. Well, not uh, in person, right? We're at no. events and so forth, but yeah, I mean, you know, playing golf yes. is never, you know, it's not always on the schedule when we get together. No. So we, uh, we had, we had an opportunity, um, <laughs> to, uh, to play a little match. Uh, yep. we, uh, I, my son Brandon is, uh, and his his good friend Shane Stanley, who's um, yep. up and comer on the junior. Well, up and comer, he's at the end of the junior circuit, but he's yeah, certainly a solid his, player. His very solid. Played, played Ontario Junior this year, so yeah. Good so player. we uh, we hooked up a we hooked up a little round down at Smuggler's Glen and um, decided to do a little fun two man scramble match play mm -hmm. uh, with you and I, the fifty plus. <laughs> against the uh the Teens. 18 the u18 <laughs> yeah the u18 squad u18s and um i don't know scott 
you know, I oh, mean, just I, say it. We beat uh, them three we, and two. We beat them three and two. I mean, we uh, we had them dormy. Yeah. Um, two up, two up. Match. match. It tough was. Match. It was. It was. And despite the fact that, like, it's okay. I don't hit it as far as I used to. Yeah. But I hit it in play a lot. So which helps. I I did my thing. You did your thing. We had a lot of wedges. Um, <laughs> the kids. Shane hits a big ball. He does. Um, you know, Brandon struggled off the tee a little bit, um, but he didn't. Uh, what what he what he didn't do for them off the tee, he did for them. Oh, he made some from, pots. He made some pots. Hit a lot of yeah. approach shots, uh, yeah. and uh, that match was. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, we had him two up with two to play, so we knew we weren't losing. No, but, and then we shut. But, then we shut shut that <clears throat> thing down. We and, and this we were eleven under. Yeah, I was going to say played out eighteen. Sad, we were eleven under. Yeah, uh, two person to- scramble. Yeah, we had to shoot 11 under to beat them. So, I mean, it's not like we were chopping it around there or whatever. We had to make some birdies and so exactly, forth. Exactly, but, yeah. But I, I but I think the biggest thing, I mean, there's a couple of points that I want I wanted to take out of this and and have a little bit of discussion is is the fact of that you know, everybody gets busy. Everybody mm-hmm. gets busy with life, doing all sorts of different things. And, you know, a constant within the golf industry and I've been guilty, you've been guilty, is to always say, "Oh yeah, we'll get that game." Yeah, we'll get that game. We'll yep. get that game this year. And, I, and hey, it happens to me all the time. And there's lots of people I would love to play with. But, you know, sometimes you just don't make the time to do it or you just don't make enough effort to do it. And I think it's important that <clears throat> you do it for a couple of reasons. One, um, it's that experience of playing with friends, of mm-hmm. going out, and and especially ones that you don't see all the time. Um, it rekindles sort of part of the reason why you're connected and that's one of the magics of golf that way and i think even just going in and taking that time uh even if it's nine holes you know what whatever it is i mean find a way to do it and i think everybody knows that but it's just you you just need a reminder just Mm -hmm. just just go and find a way and it doesn't matter where it is in this case you know it was a course that we like to play a lot and we'll talk a little bit about that in a bit but um uh, yeah it was fun I, I enjoyed the day i i really had a great time and whether we won or not it was still going to be a great time it was nice yes. to play with the kids nice it to play was. with the kids and that's part of it too yeah is going and playing with another generation it's not just hey old guys showing hey the young guys that we can still get it around which is always fun to see yeah they're like they're like oh come on they're you know they're not expecting it the you know every young kid is going to be you know maybe a little bit brash <laughs> and, and confident and that's perfectly fine i like to see it um but it's nice to get out and play with them oh yeah and uh yes we do enjoy smugglers glen a lot and yeah. uh you know the round uh wrapped up with a good uh, buffalo chicken wrap uh which is always a which is always a good it was the it was the go-to during the flagstick shootout this year the go-to yeah. meal yeah was yeah, the buffalo was. chicken wrap? I think I, I and I didn't get tired of it. Believe me, it's it's no. so yummy. I mean, I'm fortunate I get to do some teaching down there, so I'm around that facility a mm-hmm. fair bit. But I just don't get out on the golf course enough, you know. And it and it's a good reminder as well of how good the golf is in the region. How many golf courses are underrated? And I know there's you know publications and different things that do ratings and stuff and public golf courses and things. But man, you know, and that was a discussion I actually had some with somebody this week trying to define you know among 2400 golf courses in this country of you know 
the margin between a smugglers or some pick something else or whatever, as far as being a top public course in Canada. I mean, it's just, it's, it's useless really in a, in a, in a sense, because, you know, I know everybody that goes down there and plays like goes, wow, this is a great golf course. And, and they can say that in a lot of cases uh, in many parts of Ontario and, and Quebec as well. Well, the thing with the, I mean, the thing is with, with the ranking stuff is to truly, truly, to me anyway, to, to truly, truly have a, a ranking system that is very much unbiased, hmm. you would have to have a, it would have to be like for us instance, if we had the flagstick.com golf course rankings for this region. Yep. Okay. So we went out, we wanted to rank our golf courses. We had to have our top 50. Sure. To truly, truly do it, we would have to have a, a committee, a panel of, of raiders that included ourselves um, and some independent uh, players, you know, golfers from around this region. And that group would have to play, to me anyway, would have to play all of the golf courses in the region yep. at least once all of yep. them experience yep. it from t from clubhouse to pro shop to to first tee to 18th green have to experience all of you would have to do it and all of you would have to be ranking on the same ranking sheet in order mm -hmm. to come up with a ranking from the say it's 10 people or eight people that are doing yeah. the rankings it's still a small sample to say eight it's, people rank these yeah. golf courses but at yeah. least it's the same eight yeah. people now we it know is. for a fact like like uh, our good friend lisa Vluswick from from out uh in in calgary, calgary. yeah she's on the uh uh ranking uh committee for uh, uh i believe for i think she's on the ranking committee for score golf yeah i think she might be on the digest panel as well so okay so so she's one of the rankers right mm -hmm. so she she does her ranking but Lisa's never played anything in here. Right. She never played a golf course in Ottawa. So yeah. so she's not ranking the golf courses here. No. She's only ranking the golf courses that she has played. So she right. might rank you know golf courses from PEI that she's played, but what about the ones that she hasn't played? Or she might rank golf courses in Calgary because she's probably played them all. Mm -hmm. Um so she's got a good sense of what those golf courses. So she's more than capable of of mm -hmm. ranking those the golf courses they're all more than capable of ranking the golf courses they've played but if not everybody's sure. played the same golf courses well how do you come up with a top 50 well they're it never, doesn't make any sense they're never in a position to compare golf courses that's right. the thing right so i i get it from an independent standpoint but yes. i also i also and you know we we can have a whole show about this um you know there's a hundred and some odd people that are on that panel mm -hmm. of 40 million people in canada so mm -hmm. when you start to think about the validity of trying to do ranking it's it's a near impossible task mm -hmm. and it's really so subjective and you're trying to make it as objective as possible with the ranking categories and things that's perfectly fine but you know the weight of it i mean if you had to do a survey and you said okay how's what's the accuracy level of a survey and we're trying to do a polling for 40 million people, but we're only going to poll a hundred. It, it doesn't. Well, exactly. It doesn't, it's interesting. it doesn't compute. I was looking at the rankings uh, that, that recently, uh, that were recently published. And yeah. for the longest time, the longest time, the number one ranked golf course in these rankings was the national. Mm -hmm. 
the Nationals. Not, not, the Nationals. Well, it's not it. It's not in it because it's a it's a women's only or a men's only club. It, they they chose they chose not to include them in the rankings. Right. So so, yeah. but for the average person that doesn't know that, right, all of a sudden exactly. this golf course just yeah. vanished from the list. Yeah. And 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 honestly, they were number one, then they were number two, then they were number three, then they were number five. Yeah. Then they gradually worked down further and further down the mm-hmm. list to the point now where they're not on the list at all for obvious reasons. But yeah. But, but for courses that were on the list, here here's the other side of it. Go back and look at a rating from 1990 mm-hmm. and the courses that were the hot commodity at, at that point that are still around, which really, if everything was equal and you're not comparing other golf courses in that era, you know, that golf course should hold up. I right? think so. We haven't had that I mean, many new I, ones open. So it. how does it there change that some much? new ones, but it drops so far out. And the the problem that I have is I get it from manufacturers, you know, they or golf courses. They want to be, you know, highest ranking possible. They want to use that from a marketing standpoint and stuff. But is it really that great to say you're the 88th golf course in the country or the 102nd because you're just outside the 100? I mean, well, I, I think given the, given the number value, of golf courses, but... I would say yes to them sure. being ranked 88th in the country. Yeah. Or even in the province of Ontario, given that there's you know thousands of golf courses to choose yeah. from in a, in in the province, um, I'd say being in the top 100 is a pretty big deal, and I think that that's that's part of the problem. I, I don't mm. I don't believe that there's um, that it's a dollars and cents thing. Um, no, you know, no, that no. It's, I'm not, that I'm not saying. I, I think that the rankings. I think that the ones that are ranking the yeah. ranking numbers. It's like if if it's it's kind of like. Um, well, you can't be. Here's the yeah. thing: a, cor- a course has to be included. They can only be included in the ranking, I believe, if seven raiders go in and visit them during that period right. of time. Right. So they have to get raiders out there. But there's golf courses that are good that just don't get raiders. Mm-hmm. So and, then, that, and that's the problem, right? And is then it... how do you go about it? And then uh, on the other side of it as well is is you know uh, there's still biases within the people. Like I, I hate the fact that you know I saw one person who I know is involved with some other rankings and, and some, some things and, and somebody asked them on social media, Oh, I'm going to this area. Where do I go? And they said, you know, one, two, three, four, here's the course to go. Forget the rest. That is what they said. Like mm-hmm. the arrogance of that statement, yeah. forget the rest. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I mean, we always did the reader's choice awards. Okay. Yes. So we always did a reader's choice awards. And so our readers chose their rankings. Right. Now, yeah. There, there's always going to be a, a bias uh, amongst your reader, even the yeah. readers. Even when we recuse ourselves from from mm-hmm. formulating an opinion, yeah, the readers are going to have their favorites. You know, if they're a member at a certain club, then they're right. going to rank their club higher than, than another club. Of or course. if they, they generally play one club over another yeah. on a regular basis, they're going to yeah. rank. The hope is that you get enough people right. to uh, help entry the to bias. kind of balance yeah. it out and move the bias. Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, yeah. But that's more, um, that's less subjective. Correct. Than doing it by panel and mm. and turning it into a flat out, you know, popularity contest. Yeah, and I get, I, I get it. You know, you're trying to qualify the panel. So you're trying to make sure they're as expert as possible. In the end, 
you know, the I, top or the top. I mean, let's face it. You look at the number, the number one sure, ranked golf course is Cabin Cliffs. Is that not, not the number one yeah, ranked golf no. course? It probably sure. is. Even yeah. if you say the top 10 in no particular order. Right. Exactly. Are yes. this. They yeah. probably are the top yeah. 10. If you and I went and played yeah. those 10 golf courses, we'd probably yeah. say, yeah, they're definitely. The well, we have those played are... two, two, the, oh, two played cabin. tons of them. I've you know, tons of them so on this list. There's nothing to suggest. But the further you go down the list, that's when that's when it starts to become more of a problem. Because Less and less right. people have played yeah. each golf course. Well, I so, think I, th- I think you start to see it when you see like you know digests or, or golf.com, some of their lists, you know, talking about the top 30 Canadian courses, or you see something on like a golf pass or whatever. I mean, they just it just becomes ridiculous. And really, in most cases, it, it's there, and everybody that's involved with them, you know, I'll talk to lots of them. I know lots of obviously the people involved with the various panels. They'll, they'll clearly admit it's a conversation piece, mm-hmm. but the problem is, is that people don't weigh it that way. You know, I, I know of a golf course for an example that has, oh, we're the number one uh, nine hole golf course in this area based on this. Well, it's still on their website. That publication mm-hmm. doesn't exist anymore. And it was proven that that publication, basically the panel, there wasn't a panel. It was just one person yeah. who basically created their own ranking. And and this golf course still says it. So it, it's sort of, you know, I, I get it from a market. I mean, we could do it. I mean, we've played every single golf course in this region. We could yeah. very easily, the two of you, we could sit down and say, okay, let's rank them. We could but rank again, them, but oh my God, we'd lose we'd lose advertisers left, right, and center. But it's because not we about just one, you know. Yeah, but it's not just about the advertisers. It's about the credibility. No, but that's the how readers. the that's then how the bias gets created. Is because now it. we're going to be looking at every everything. Right. So, oh, yes. I would definitely yes. rank them number yeah, one. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, they spend yeah, yeah. more money with me than these two. Yeah. So that's what, we can't do it because no, it's no, no. it's always going to be stuck in the back of your head yeah. that if I do this and everybody knows it, you know, because we got asked the old the old Ontario golf. Uh, we oh, used yeah. to get asked all the time, and and they were they were transparent about who the rankers were. It's mm. like, are you kidding me? You want me to tell you who we think the top fifty golf courses are? Well, and we, like, we, are you serious? We knew, how that, we knew how that worked because they published the top three or top yeah. five. And I remember getting I remember getting a phone call from the one course. How did you rank? Why do you rank that course higher than that course? Well, okay, it's my opinion. Mm-hmm. But of course, they're going to have a bias towards their own facility. They weren't asking. They weren't asking for the sake of, oh, oh, why do you think that is? Is there something we can do better? It was more of accusatory of going, yeah, why like, why are you better? doing that? And and so I get it. I, I get it. It's a click thing. It's an attention thing. It's a conversation thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool to have, but it doesn't have as much validity as people think. That all to say, courses like Smugglers are fantastic probably need more recognition don't get any rankers and i'm not saying it's a top 100 golf course in the country i'm just saying it's a high quality golf course yeah. that doesn't get enough attention and there are hundreds like it across the nation across north america yeah. that are worth playing and just because they're not on a list doesn't make them any less worthy. Give, given that yeah. we have played a large number of golf oh, yeah. courses on that list Oh, yeah. I know for a fact, in my personal opinion, that yep. Smugglers Glen should be somewhere on that list. But at the end of the day, uh, yep. why they're not, don't know. Could be a number of reasons. Geography. Um, Look where they are. They're they're not in a major city, so they're not usually in an area where people will get to. They have maybe they haven't had the discussion. There's so many factors. Yep. 
that again, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, Whitewater up in Northern Ontario, or I mean, they pick them. There's so many tons. I mean, you talk about public golf courses. Um, there's, there's courses that I know that, man, I would go. And if I tell people to go to that region, I tell them to go play Yeah, and they should be higher up. Now, eventually some of those secrets come out, but again, then that means somebody else has to go off the list rather than go on all this to say as well. You know what? Be the best golf course for your customer. Be number one for your customer and yep. nothing else matters. That takes care of it all. Yep. Okay. We got to get out of here. Uh, yep. We've chatted a bit, which is a good thing. Uh, we got to get it. Well, we don't got to get out yet. We're going to head out to the lesson tee uh, presented by Kevin Hame Golf School. It's always the right time to play better golf, whether you need a private lesson, a better short game, some putting help or custom club fitting. Visit KevinHame.com and remember that better golf is a lot more fun. Let's head out to the Lesson Tee and see uh, what Kevin and Jake have in store for us this week. Happy Tip Tuesday, golfers. Today, Jake, we're out on the short game complex and you are going to chip, my friend, and uh, teach people how to chip. So it's a simple little shot when you're close to the green. you just got to bump the ball onto the green, let it roll to the pin. A lot of people struggle with this. They don't understand the concept of the shot or... A lot of times we see people always just like to use a chipping iron. They use an eight iron or a seven iron every single time. We don't like that. No, no. Uh, it, it makes sense in as much as you only have one club means one decision, but it means you have to be much more talented if you want to pull the shot off because every club has a specific flight to roll ratio, everybody. And so if you're in the right situation, using your eight iron is a great idea. But in any other situation, you're going to have to adjust your technique, your rhythm to make it work, and that's hard to do. Adjust loft condition or impact conditions, more loft, less loft. Yeah. You've got to be talented to do that. We'd much rather keep it simple and let the club do the work. So let's see the setup. I'll describe it quickly. Jake will have a nice narrow stance, not a lot of body movement here, if any. He's got the front foot pulled back just slightly, so it's out of the way of his follow-through. The hands are a little forward, the ball's a little back and he keeps the weight on the lead leg. This condition here with the hands forward and the ball back adds a little shaft lean so that club will swing up and then down a little bit. Just scuff into the turf and send the ball onto the green. Yeah, that's basically the feeling I have. If I just brush the turf from here, it'll land in the circle and roll down to the pin. There we go, so that's Jake's sand wedge. It's typically one part flight to one part roll. Every time he's in a situation where he has a chip one-to-one, -one, use a sand wedge, right? Absolutely. What's next? Show us the next shot. Well, so if we go to the next pin, it's a little farther away. It's going to play about a one-to-three, given where my circle is. So I'm going to grab my nine-iron. So a one-to-two, everybody, would be a pitching wedge. A one-to-three is my nine-iron, and from there, I kind of progress through my set. That's yeah, how this one works. Yeah, one-to-two is a pitching wedge. You know, Jake, uh, same narrow stance. Choke up a little on the club. You almost stand exactly the same. Hands and weight forward, about four inches in front of the ball, little chipping motion into the circle. The ball will roll a little more because it's a less lofted club and go right to the next flag. Absolutely. There we go, one to three, another tap in for another par. Grab that last club, Jake. Same motion. Yeah, so now you've got to hit the ball a little harder with less loft, which is why it rolls more to get it in the circle, correct? And that's a little bit of practice, Yeah, I, I do but not need, a lot. I do need practice to learn how big a swing I need to take with each club to land it on my landing spot. But once you learn to do that, because your setup's identical every time, the club is doing a lot of the work for me. It's as easy as brush the grass. Chipping it and let it run. There we go. So you've got a, a one to one, one to three, one to five. In this case, a sand wedge, a nine iron and a seven iron. Yep. One to four would be an eight iron. One to two would be a pitching wedge. 
Adopt this technique, practice it with different clubs, keep the swing simple, the technique simple, let your clubs do the work, you'll get a better short game. More great golf instruction is what Kevin and Jake have in store for us this week. Yep. Another great, uh, great tip. Um, yeah, and you know what? End of August, it's still lots of time oh, to yeah, work you, on your golf game. I mean, you can do it. Um, yeah, make sure you head time. to kevinheem.com to yeah. see more of the tips that you just saw there. Um, they're on their YouTube channel. They're posted on their website. Uh, so you can go and check those out. You can also check them out at flagstick.com. Um, all right. Now we have to get out of here. <laughs> take a quick break. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, we are going to uh, discuss some Ryder Cup. Now that it's here uh, and uh, closer and closer than ever, we're going to have some good discussions over the next uh, bunch of weeks uh, yeah. surrounding the Ryder Cup and then eventually some Solheim Cup uh, talk as yes. well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, stay with us. Uh, you're listening to the Flagstick Podcast with uh, Jeff Potter and Scott McLeod. We'll be right back. Adidas introduces the Ultimate 365 Tour Heat Apparel and ZG23 Vent Footwear to help golfers handle the heat this season. Both the ZG23 Vent and Ultimate 365 Tour Apparel are available now on adidas.ca, the Adidas app, and selected retailers worldwide. All right, welcome back to the Flagstick Podcast with uh, myself, Jeff Botter, and this uh, other guy, Scott McLeod. Uh, as promised, um, on the back nine this uh, this week... Uh, presented by Castleview Golf Club, only a short 25-minute drive from Ottawa. This 18-hole layout is renowned for its superb conditions and unsurpassed service, making it a must-play in the capital region. 5, 10, and 20-round packages are available. Visit castleview.com for more information. Um, we're going to get into some Ryder Cup talk. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, I'm excited about this. I'm very, I'm very, very excited about this. The one thing that I look forward to, and I'm going to say this, haters or not the one thing i do look forward to every two years is this is the solheim cup and oh, the yeah. Ryder cup oh yeah i do back not look to forward back. to the president's cup yeah. uh, and and i do in the sense that it's nice that the canadians get to play in this type of an event yeah but at the same time it just doesn't have the same feel to it it, it probably does for the players of the of the oh, yeah, international sure. team more so than the american team yeah um but it probably has more for the people that go to watch it live and the players yeah. and but Which, for um, me obviously here in canada you know having it here in 2024 at royal montreal it's going to be a bigger buzz about yeah. it for sure but it, again it just it just doesn't have the legacy yet yet no yeah and yet. it doesn't and, and there's a, there's a certain i don't call it it was, it was funny because i was watching a replay of uh of the 2016 Ryder cup at hazel team um yeah. and particularly the uh the Rory McIlroy, um, Patrick Reed match. And I'm mm -hmm. by no means a Patrick Reed fan now, then, or ever. Um, but it was uh, a lot of fireworks. Yeah, that was something else. And, and yeah. the thing is they, it came across as a, just a, a complete disdain for one another. And, but, but it's it, not, but, but it wasn't because then you saw yeah. them going off the green after I forget what hole it was, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheering uh, each other off. Rory had just rolled in like a 35, 40 yeah. footer for birdie and Reed yeah. then rolled a 20 footer on top of it. And there was the finger yeah. shaking and, 
But then they embraced us. They were walking off the totally. green like this is what it's all about, yeah. man. Like this is here's the thing when you when you get to play a competition in golf, which you know, in most times for golf, um, and this is what makes college golf special as well. In most times in golf, you play for yourself. Yeah. It's an in, in, individual sport. So when you have the opportunity to play for a team, it, it's different when you're mm-hmm. playing for somebody else. So yeah, there's a different different feel to it, a different hype to it. Um, you know, you've got that camaraderie going within the team. It just adds a whole different element that you're not used to seeing week after week. Yeah. And we know from ourselves just within the ping challenge cup, you know, which is a, you know, the club pro competition here in, uh, the Ottawa Valley zone of the PGA of Canada, just captaining those. I mean, you know, you're not doing a lot as far as the outcome of it, Yeah. but I was fortunate last year to, to be playing, and you get that sense of, mm-hmm. of what's going on and, and you, you work hard to do what you can for yourself, but ultimately you're just trying to get the points for the team. And well, it's funny too, respect. because yeah. too, I had, I actually had someone email me last week and, and the, the, um, the email topic was, was surrounding Ryder cup and live golf. And right. the person said uh, in the email that, you know, Live golf is just is just doing every year what the Ryder Cup does, you know. Or, or live golf is doing every event what the Ryder Cup is doing every two years. And I said no. I said here's the difference: the Ryder Cup. If you want to bring this more to a to understand it from a from a local, like a bring it down to a, sure. a, a like a level, the Ryder Cup is the intersectionals, 100%. and live golf is men's night. Yeah, that that's yeah. to me that's what it is. Men like they're playing in these team events. There, there's nothing on the line except whatever they're playing for because they're already there's already uh, right. wallets are already <clears throat> full. Yeah, they're just out there having a blast. The music's yeah, the, going. The aces versus the cliques doesn't really. Yeah, have it, a but lot that's what I mean. Like you have right. your men's list. I used to play in a yeah. men's league at Metcalf Golf Club way way back when, and yeah. we had a team name, right. and we had teams, and we all went out and we played in a, in a foursome. We didn't play with our teammates yeah. we played in a foursome and at the end of the day they tallied up all the points and the winning right. team got a you yeah. know a sleeve of balls and a pitcher of beer or something like that like that's to me that's exactly what live is live is what? men's night every week you know it's that's what men's night is and here's the thing and the Ryder cup is the intersectionals the yeah, Ryder cup and i mean i know obviously the players you know they get expenses taken care of and everything and obviously now they get money that goes to a charity they can designate or whatever but in the end it's not about that it's about pride. It's it's you and me playing against mm-hmm. Brandon and Shane. It's it's a pride thing. Even even if you're playing for twenty bucks or lunch or whatever the case may be, it's mm-hmm. not about that. Don't want to lose. It's yeah. You just don't want to lose. I mean, so that's that's what adds into that element of why things become so important during the Solheim Cup. They do become important as well for the Presidents Cup. And but I think part of the feeling that we all get around all these competitions has to do with media exposure, you know, highlights, uh, our own attachments to the players involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as well as I, that, you know, part of the reason why a lot of the Americans, you know, won't be as interested in what happens with the European teams. is They don't know some of the players, right? There's more interest now in the Ryder cup on, for Americans on what the, uh, the European team is doing because they know McElroy, they know Hatton, they know Rom, they, you know, they know Hovland, they know these players, but mm-hmm. you know, if you ask them to, you know, feel anything towards Adrian Moronk, they're going to go <laughs> who? So again, it becomes about that tangibility and that names of, you know, knowing those players, 
that's sometimes a struggle a little bit with the president's cup because again lack of heritage yeah um, not as much familiarity with the players that is getting more common so that gets better that way and it's hard to it's hard just to manufacture something it'd be just yeah. like okay we're gonna make pick a tournament we're gonna make the barracuda championship a major championship well just because you designated it doesn't make it have the same feel or attachment for people yeah. and the Ryder cup has been happening since 1927 yeah you know and and people know that they know the heritage they know who all the players are who have played in it. all the greatest players in professional golf have and on the men's side have teed it up in this just mm -hmm. on the women's side solheim cup you know the great players all playing it so this is what gets our attachment to it um you know it's not because they're playing for four million dollars uh for uh, the fun little jersey and to sell some logos and to sell some other beers that's not what it's about so, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, denigrate the, the, the live here or whatever, but it's not, it's not that it's not that. And that's why we wake up early and people will be waking up early yes. to watch this being played in Italy starting September 29th. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the thing is too, uh, what I, what I'm really, what I am very happy about is that uh, Brooks Kepka is on this team. Yep. Um, sure. I'm not the I'm not the biggest Brooks Kepka guy. I'm sure. like, he's he sometimes rubs me the wrong way. Sometimes so tell me, he rubs so tell the right me way. why you like like I think you're probably getting to that. But why do you like having him on the team? Because he's a, because he's an American golfer, and he is clearly still with his performance in majors, still one of the best yep. in the world. Yep. So this is not a PGA Tour event. This is a PGA of America correct event which yeah. means he is a member of the PGA of America. He's a professional golfer in the U.S. that just happens to play on a different tour. He yeah. had he belongs the one there. The PGA Championship. Yeah, he he belongs there. Like, there's yeah. no question. If he even if he doesn't get in on points, mm -hmm. just based on his performance in the majors alone, he he, he deserves to be on this team. Yeah. Now, some will argue. So, well, why isn't Bryson DeChambeau there? Why isn't uh, um, you know other Americans that mm -hmm. that are not Taylor, on Taylor Gooch. Taylor Gooch won like, three why, times on the Live Tour this year. Or three, why, twice why, or three times. Why aren't they there? Well, right. here's the thing: because I don't think that Bryson or Taylor Gooch have shown enough consistency when they do play against the best players in the world on on whether it's well, it's not the PJ Tour, but in a major championship, right. that yep. they deserve to be on the Ryder Cup team. Whereas Brooks Kepka would have got in, I think yep. it was like, what, 30 points shy of a, of a yep. guaranteed spot Auto anyway, yep. having yep. played only four tournaments. I mean, man, yeah. that's, that's, I mean, that's impressive. And I, he, I, I think he had enough points. He probably would have got yeah. in in the FedEx Cup. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, playing aside, I think the other thing that's happened as well with Brooks is that, you know, if people watched, obviously, you know, the Netflix series or whatever, they'll see that he didn't really cut ties. He didn't really spit venom about the PGA Tour. Not that, again, this is not a PGA Tour run event, but, you know, it, it wasn't about, oh, I hate the other players or they're doing this or doing that. He just did what he did for himself, is what he said. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, he was very clear about that, but he didn't go out he didn't go out and run to the live tour with a flamethrower going behind him. No, which, which is part of the case that happened for other players. And, you know, whether we want to admit it or not, that certainly happens to play into decisions about other mm -hmm. things. I mean, whether you're a corporate sponsor or you're involved yeah. with the tour, 
if you look at the behavior of somebody and what they've done, that's going to influence their decision about having them involved, whether they're deserving, whether you want to be involved with that person because of the actions that they've shown, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it has to do with character. And, and really, when it comes down to it, we have to understand this is a team. I, I get it. They're trying to win and only one team can win and one team can lose. It, it's, it's not, it's not, you know, there's not any degrees of it. It's black and white. It's one or the other. Mm -hmm. So um, you're just trying to put together the best team that you can, uh, the best chemistry. And there's a lot that goes into it. And in the end, there can only be 12. Well, that's it. Exactly. Now, speaking of that, yes. uh, for those that don't know, yeah. uh, uh, Sam Burns. Yep. Uh, Ricky Fowler. Yep. The aforementioned Brooks Kepka. Yep. Colin Morikawa, Jordan Spieth, and Justin Thomas were the ones that were selected to finalize the U.S. team roster uh, Correct. for Rome. Yep. Um, rightly or wrongly, there is a lot of stuff bouncing around social media right now about, about yep. the old boys club and so yeah. on and so forth. And so let's talk about that just for a yeah. second. Let's talk and about... And, and I think there's some of those opinions you don't know whether you can qualify them or not. They're just well, Hank Haney. But... Hank Haney needs to oh, zip God. it. Oh God, that boy, that yeah. guy just needs to zip it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, there's very few people in the world I don't want to hear in the golf industry. I don't want to hear much from he and Brandel Chambly are are too very. <laughs> I don't want to hear Brandel Chambly. Why the Golf uh, Channel just doesn't dump that guy is beyond me because he just his opinions make no sense. Ratings, um, ratings, ratings. I know, I know, I know. Um, so, so here's the deal. Um, I'm looking at the list that were chosen and I'm looking at the, the ones that were not, mm -hmm. and I'm the only one on the list for me anyway, the only one on the list that really, really, to me, just purely on how did you play this year? Yeah, this that does year. not belong yeah. is yeah. Justin Thomas. He yeah, does not, the, the way he's played this year. Mm -hmm. he does not belong on this list and you have to wonder if that if the choice to take him zach johnson and justin thomas very good friends mm -hmm. um zach thomas or zach thomas justin thomas very good friends with ricky fowler very good friends with jordan spieth both who would to me are are perfect picks mm -hmm. no issues there at all sure. um but is he someone that was picked from a team perspective as opposed to a Keegan Bradley? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, that I, guy. I, and then, and then he comes out talking about how he feels like he's not part of the, he tries, the he's tried club. to insert yeah. himself in, with the, mm -hmm. the regular Ryder cuppers. And yeah. it's like, well, is that part of the problem is part of the problem that you're just, you're not, you're not with that group. So therefore mm -hmm. Zach Johnson doesn't see you as gelling with the team as right. a captain's pick like th there's so many factors that go into play is that it because justin thomas on on merit alone doesn't belong on this team yeah on history and, it belongs on this team but on history right but and, on and, merit right yeah. now i think the difficult part is that you know we see situations here where you know people have criticized some of the teams in the past where they've said oh well you know we don't have enough camaraderie with the team right and then they come back and then, you know, if they fail, they, they lose uh, and they, they do it based on paper. And then now people all of a sudden say, oh, okay, now you're picking on camaraderie, but oh, well, wait, it's not the best. I mean, you're not going to have it perfect, 
that's certainly the way it is. Mm-hmm. And and you're right. The fact that they've done this list and it's pretty solid, you know, and maybe had one that's controversial. I mean, Cam Young was right there in points and, and he got, you know, he obviously had a great year last year mm-hmm. he's playing. Okay. This year, but he's right up there in points. I mean, they, they could go one to 12 yeah. and they would still be fine as far as a team is concerned, but, you know, they're looking for one extra little factor. And I think we've talked about it a little bit in the fact that, um, you know, when you're putting together a team, there's chemistry that has to be in there. And I mean, you know, we know even from a pairing standpoint, when we start to get into things, you've got to have the right person to play with that person and and how it fits. And, you know, they're, they're not, it's not like they're just pulling names out of a hat here. No. Right? They're no, looking no. at analytics. They're looking at how players work with each other. They're looking at who plays the same golf ball, who's in the style of play, who puts in, who matches up to this golf course. I mean, it's, again, it's frustrating because it's easy to judge based on social media and people just throwing opinions out there. But the only person that can tell us in the end is Zach Johnson, mm-hmm. you know, and, and his squad of vice captains with sync couples, Furick, Davis, love Steve Stricker, all their analytics, people, all their people behind them and determining why they put this player there. I will say, yes, Justin Thomas certainly stands out. Um, Keegan Bradley's a, I mean, he's a giant killer. I mean, um, yeah, a lot of people get on him as far as, you know, putting routines and, and you know, habits and yeah, stuff yeah, like but that. That's, but that's his, you can't criticize you for can't, that. Yeah. But he's played so well. And, you know, I, I, I'd love to play a match with Keegan Bradley there. Not that I wouldn't love to play a match mm-hmm. with Justin Thomas there, but Justin Thomas himself, I, I think the problem here for Justin Thomas is while he wants to be on that team, and as you said, He's, you know, not deserving kind of based on this year. I'd almost, I'd almost say Justin Thomas should have pushed himself out of the picture. You know what I mean? But he and wanted said, to be there so badly. And, and, I and get here's it. the other thing to, to look at. Okay. So. And I get he was the PGA champion last, not this year, the year yeah. before. Right. So the year before. The, the thing is you look at the players on the team that are friends I mean, they're yeah. all friends, but that are yeah. really close. Ricky, just uh, Jordan, Justin. I'm I'm sure there's probably Sheffler, more. Sheffler and Burns are best friends. Okay, so Burn, Burns as a pick is a pick there. That's or part Sheffler. of that from 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 a chemistry standpoint. Not that you know. And again, Burns is a fantastic player, right? Uh, but that is definitely a pick to help Scheffler and keep him comfortable. Yeah. So so, again, so there's strategy that's there. Right? So I look at it and say, okay. If you don't pick Justin Thomas right. and you take Keegan Bradley, yeah, how does that affect how those other two or three players that are really good friends with Justin Thomas affect right. how they see Keegan mm-hmm. Bradley on that roster? So sure. it's not even a case that they may like Keegan. Yeah. Uh, they may look at him as a great player and they may pair well with them when they play. But right. if Keegan gets the nod ahead of Justin Thomas, how mm-hmm. do they feel about play him being on the team when their buddy sure. was just pushed off that they wanted yeah. to be there so badly. Yeah, you, know? you can imagine you can imagine they're behind the scenes advocating for that, saying, "Hey, you know what? For JT, sure, JT, this JT is a great opportunity great. for us." As a yeah, yeah, and and you know, if you're the captain, you've got to recognize that. Again, we're, you know, we'll put it in a we'll put it back in the microcosm of ourselves and in in being involved with a, a match play event and a team event and whatever, and trying to pick up and match out 
not only playing abilities, but matching out personalities. Mm-hmm. You're matching out temperaments. You're matching out, you know, if this guy goes off the rails, here's a guy who could talk him down. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's so many elements. And again, we have, and I'm not saying we're we're at that level as far as, you know, these guys, but I'm just saying from a coaching perspective, whether it's, you know, golf or volleyball or, or hockey and um, involvement, we know that chemistry. I mean, man, it is so important. Sometimes you cut the, the better player because it just doesn't fit the team. Mm-hmm. Because in the end, you're not trying to put together a whole bunch of individuals. You're, oh. you're trying to put together a team. No, that's the, the goal thing. is and to I, win. Exactly. And then having, you know, obviously being as connected to hockey as I am and, and just finishing up going through, you know, um, AAA tryouts and getting into mm-hmm. AA tryouts are finishing up now. And you're seeing kids get cut and then talking yep. to their parents about, oh, my, you know, he was, shouldn't have got cut. He was the best player on the ice, right. blah, blah, yep. blah. It's like, yeah, well. Yep. That doesn't necessarily mean anything if the coach is not looking for that another yeah. one of those types of players. Yeah, he already has six of those. Yeah, and he doesn't yes. want seven. He wants yes. three other players that are not that. Yeah, that are more committed to defense or that yeah. you know are more physical. That, then that's that would, that making be, that, up a team. That would be like picking a hockey team with all forwards and nobody who's ever played defense. Well, that's it. can you imagine a hockey? <laughs> you know I mean? Well, exactly. Can you imagine an NHL team that yeah, all they all, all they had on the team was yeah. nine players that that wanted to score goals, yeah. nine forwards that, or, or twelve? It won't work because you got to have no. some of those guys got to play defense because the other yeah. team's going to have six or nine forwards that want to score goals too. Yeah. And if I mean, you're just going to have games that yeah. are eleven nine. Sometimes you you need somebody who's going to be willing to throw their body in front of a puck. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Right. And and, and that's where it comes down to. And again, you know what? Picking this is a difficult thing. He's got a lot for for Zach Johnson. He's got a lot of pressures and things that are on here. Um, Yeah. Like I said, he could go one to 12, but maybe it doesn't fit. And you know what? Keegan now has said, Hey, you know what? I need to focus, uh, you know, focus up on, you know, the team behind it. You know, you can go down one to 25 and you can come up with a team here. Right. Mm -hmm. But in the end, it's like, all right, I've got all the people that automatically qualified, the ones that are immensely qualified who just missed based on points. Now I got to put in the right pieces to make this work against what I'm probably going to face on the other side, which we know when it comes down to it, it, even though there's only eight players out there at once, it, it still comes down to depth. You know, it's not just the top guys playing well because top guys against another top guy, who knows what's going to play out with that. Where Mm -hmm. you need to make the difference is the players down on the bottom where you can try to gain a little bit of an advantage. And we're talking fractions here. Yeah. And there's no secret formula to it. Where did Justin Thomas, sorry, I don't have it in front of me. Where did he finish up in points relative to Cam Young and Keegan Bradley? I think he was like 14th, so. Okay. So there were even more guys ahead of him. Yeah, not many though. But I mean, his most of his points were based on on last year. On last year, right? Which, Sorry, which he was is fifteenth. Fifteenth. Denny McCarthy okay. was a little bit uh, was one ahead of him. Lucas Glover was at sixteenth, which obviously a lot of people were railing too, just because yeah. he was on he was on form, um, you know, and, and played of late. But again. And I and and I hate that saying. He has Ryder Cup experience, so doesn't Glover play Ryder Cup or President's Cup? 
no rider but okay, i mean yeah. that's but again you know what portraying it as the old boys club i think is the wrong way to portray it, it it's portraying it as cohesiveness within players mm-hmm. And, and and I think that's a misnomer to call it the old boys club. Well, I think if you're looking at They're this, friends. Saying, I think if you're saying Cam Young and Keegan Bradley being ninth and 11th in points and ahead of Justin Thomas, that they did, they get snubbed, screwed, whatever. Right. Um, I think looking at the team that, that, that he's assembled. Yeah. This is a good team. Oh yeah. It's a great team. The fact that Justin Thomas hasn't played well this year. Yeah. Um, and isn't really deserving in the from a points perspective uh, or on a current play perspective uh, is one aspect but when you look at the team and the, the chemistry that you may have on this team this is a good team from a, if you're trying to create chemistry with the best possible players he can hide yeah. Justin Thomas well until the singles matches hide. he can but, he can he don't he, have you don't have to hide him he's a 15 time winner on the tour he's well no I, and I know I know, I know that's why I say not- and this is not against you. This is just saying against people that are railing and and making it sound like he's. They make he it sound suck. like he's a no. They make it sound like he's a twenty five handicap. And we're this talking a, about match play versus stroke play. So yeah. we're talking about being able to not do it all eighteen holes, but right. do it on enough holes that you beat your opponent. Yeah. The one thing I'll say is I I know when you talk about choices, right? Um, yeah. You look at okay, this guy plays well, this guy pairs well with this guy, similar golf ball, type of golf course. First of all, as far as the type of golf course goes, I feel like you could throw that argument out the window. Uh, when you're talking about the you know top 12, 15, 20 yeah. players on this list, yeah. these guys play different golf courses all the time. Yes, they mm-hmm. play better at some than others, but they also don't suck at the ones that they don't yeah, win and this is this so, is like you know, this is are... not like this is not Le Golf National, which is like super narrow and whatever. Yeah, you know what? It, it's it's more of a I won't even call it it's a mishmash. I think it's a golf course that doesn't really favor either side. There's a good mm-hmm. bit of elevation there. Um, it's not super, super narrow. I, I think you're hundred percent right. I mean, you're right. These players are playing worldwide schedules across the world. Yeah. And some of, some of their successes have happened at some of these harder golf courses that you would consider, you know, in some cases more the European style golf courses. It, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you've got major no. champions in there. They're playing against the best players in the world on, you know, world-class venues. So throw out the golf course for sure. Um, okay. So let's take a quick, because I know we're going to get up against it pretty soon here, but yeah. let's take a quick look at uh, the European team, which isn't mm-hmm. completely finalized yet because they no. still have the uh, the Omega European Masters yep. that's They're going on that. right now. Yeah, so they'll, um, they'll decide on Monday. Luke Donald will make his picks. But right now, they've already got McElroy, Rom, Hovland, Hatton already locked in. Yeah, yeah. Um, some guys that are sitting there right in the bubble that are either going to make it in automatically or not are, are uh, Fitzpatrick, yeah. Uh, and Fleetwood are right yeah. there. Now, I think that's a no-brainer on either one of them to be captain's picks, even if they don't For get sure. in automatically, because, yeah. I mean, these guys are outstanding golfers. Um, Shane Lowry, to me, is a really good potential captain's pick, uh, a bit of a dark horse pick, kind of like the Ricky Fowler of the European side. You know, he's playing well. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to be a pick to get in there. Uh, what else do you think? Like, like, well, I think I think Ludwig uh, Arberg, Aberg, who uh, you know was the NCAA Player of the Year, uh, turned pro just in June. Obviously, he's playing well. He's playing already well this week. Um, he's definitely 
got the opportunity to jump in there. Uh, Yannick Paul's had a great year. Robert McIntyre, the lefty from Scotland, uh, a mix as well. The pre mentioned Adrian Moronk yeah. uh, is in there, but again, Who? you get, to, but yeah. yeah, but I mean, these guys have played well and they played well in majors and stuff as well. Um, I, I think that the struggle here is more for, you know, the Americans to kind of get over the, the, the hump on European soil. Oh my God. Um, Was it six? Six in, a, six in a row on European soil? Yeah, no 30, 30, 30 years. So, I mean, um, you know, that might be more psychological than anything. The match, the matchups <laughs> have been pretty good. You know, we have, we have to say this hasn't been a one-sided affair over the last bunch of years. It's definitely been very competitive. And I think in the end, I mean, you cheer one side, you cheer the other. I just want to see some great matches. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the final tally to me, doesn't matter that much no from an enter no. enter- from an entertainment perspective which you know i i might i might feel different if i was american or or european we're we're sort of uh you know we're a neutral party when it comes to this this that's a event, good thing which is fun um but i think we can't take um some of those picks lightly on the european side because these guys can play and they all play i mean think mm-hmm. about it now I mean, all these names, these people play a worldwide schedule. We see them all in the majors. We see them all. They all show up. So it's not like the old days where you're like, wow, okay, there's six guys here. I've never even like. Oh, exactly. Who are they? So um, I'm I'm kind of got his hands full for sure. I'm on the same uh, on the same page there. Basically, for me, watching the Ryder Cup, I'm just I'm I'm watching the Ryder Cup. Yeah. I'm looking at the golf course, um, watching the play. I'm I'm into the matches. At the end of the day, come Sunday, I want the score from the first uh, from the team matches to be close enough that everything on Sunday matters. Matters, and yes, then whoever's exactly. losing yeah. on Sunday, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be rooting for whoever's losing on Sunday to make up the gap to make it interesting for the last few matches on yeah. Sunday. Why I don't want to see is I don't want to see one team come out and just dominate, and then Sunday. You know, the first two matches matter and the rest of them don't. Then then it kind of just like, and then the sting's gone out of it. I got to see some excitement on Sunday. Um, a lot really... of, I want to see a lot of one-up matches. I don't want to see eight yeah, and, want, and stuff yeah. like that. So, all right, here's a big question I have for you. And okay. this may be our last one that we deal with here. All right. Who do you think is going to be the star player for each side? Oh, oh. Who do you think is going to stand out? And, you know, I'm not looking back at their previous records or whatever. I mean, this this year, this time, a month from now in Italy, who's not going to be have, you know, far too many, uh, you know, cappuccinos and, and pizzas and is going to be able to perform and get it done. I think that the U.S., the star for the U.S. team is yep. going to be Shoffley. Okay. And I think the star for the European team is going to be um, Hovland. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that looks obvious, obvious right now in the way that he is playing, for sure. Uh, I mean, Hovland's just been in- incredible of late, obviously winning the last two events. Um, I'm going to go. Okay, so I think what you've done there is you've picked out two guys. All right, I'm going to go. Man, Shoffley's. Shoffley's awful good. <laughs> Shoffley's awful good. Uh, I'm going to think, and, and here's the thing. Maybe we'll pick out who we think the big rookie is going to be as well. I, I think uh, I think Brooks is going to bring it. 
Okay. I think I, he I think, is too. But... I, th- I think they're going to be guys going to jump on his back and, and he's going to go and, you know, this will be his fourth appearance. Um, I, I think he's going to win some points. Uh, European side, um, Fleetwood. I'll go Fleetwood. Javi's, Javi's an easy one. I, you know, he's going to play well, but I think, I think Fleetwood, you know, Fleetwood's been close this year with a lot of different things. And I think, I think he's got something to prove, uh, you know, from an English side of it, you know, he, he wants to do well for Luke Donald. Um, and that's important. What about, uh, among the rookies? Okay. So rookie for me is Brian Harmon. As a 36 year old rookie. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. And but, on the uh, European... a, a bulldog literally, but yeah. yeah. On the European side. Well, it's going to be tough because we don't really know yeah. who the rookies are going to be yet, but yeah. assuming Let's the rookies say... are who we think from our existing list here. Yeah. Yeah. I am going to say that, um, uh, Aberg is yeah, going to be the rookie. Yeah. So that, that's it for me for, from the European side, uh, for the rookies, I think it's going to be, for the U.S., I'll go Sam Burns. All right, there, there we go. go. All right, good stuff. We now we have a month for it to play out, but before that, which mm-hmm. we'll get to in a future show, we'll talk Solheim Cup. Yes, which should be plan. fun this year as well. Yes, so we'll get we'll get our ducks in a row and have some good conversation about yes. that for sure. Yeah. All right, solid show, Mister McLeod. Solid yeah. show. Um. And uh, as always, we uh, we're really thankful uh, to uh, to all of our sponsors uh, for helping make the podcast possible every week. Metcalf Golf Club, Castleview Golf Club, um, Kevin Heem Golf School, and of course our presenting sponsor this week, Adidas, with Ultimate uh, 365 Tour Heat Apparel and ZG23 Vent Footwear, helping golfers handle the heat this season. The collection features a mix of silhouettes for men and women with heat-ready and no-show technology to keep golfers cool and dry. Uh, both the ZG23 Vent and Ultimate 365 Tour Apparel are available at adidas.ca, uh, the Adidas app, and the selected retailers worldwide. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the Ryder Cup talk, the instruction, a little bit of update. Uh, uh, looking forward to some, some more episodes coming up where we talk Ryder Cup and Solheim Cup. Uh, be sure to follow us across all social media networks, Instagram, X. Facebook and subscribe on Spotify, Audible, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like us, click the notification bell. Make sure you never miss a single episode. Interact with us, please. <laughs> please. Um, get over to flagstick.com for even more amazing golf t- content delivered every single day. As always, we do appreciate you tuning in. But until next week, I'm Jeff Botter. I'm Scott McLeod. Remember, always go for the stick.